The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays here on Passion, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions all evening long until 11 o'clock. So you can send in your questions by text at 514-800. If you want to call in and speak to me directly, you can do that at 514-790-0800. Some people like to email me and that's good too, especially if there's lots of detail to your uh, question or your comment to Lori at drlaurie.com. So let me start with this one. Dr. Lori, can you please explain to me what happened to me today at work? After lunch and a walk with a coworker, I return to my desk and for no reason at all, I start getting horny. I do not mean aroused. I mean borderline orgasm horny. I even thought of going to the ladies' room and masturbate. I tried to focus on my work, but it kept getting worse. Crossing my legs, my vagina was so sensitive and I could feel how wet my panties got. My phone rang and it startled me and during the conversation, it just went away. I went to the ladies' room and had to remove my panties. They were soaked. I've never got that wet before. I am sexual and enjoy sex, but not a must. Even when I get aroused in bed alone, I may or may not masturbate. What happened this afternoon? Has this happened to anyone else? So it's hard to know exactly what this could be or what it is. We'd have to see if there's a pattern. There is a something called uh, persistent genital arousal disorder. So it's it's getting aroused with it not being attached to desire. So not anything that particularly aroused you. Uh, it just happens. Now there's not much research on this, but they're, what they have discovered about this particular uh, condition is that it might be caused by a pinched pudendal nerve. And that means that, that the nerve involved here is the nerve that provides the sensations to the external genitals. Is it this? Who knows? We'll see. Is it persistent? Like if this is the only time it's happened, Nothing to really uh, worry about. But there's a few questions I would ask, like, uh, are you on any new medications? Because there may be some medications that might uh, trigger this. There's also research that shows that cannabis might um, induce this as well. Stress and anxiety could be another factor. So you can try when this kind of thing happens, uh, relaxation techniques. What I would advise you to do right now is to keep a record, like keep a notepad when it happens, what was happening before this happened, like what happened just prior, how did you feel, what were you doing, uh, had you ingested anything, Are you? did you take any new uh, medication or anything like that. And let's keep a record of it and then see. Um, because we, you can't, you know, you, to know if it's a condition, we have to see if it repeats itself. Something like this happening once, one-off time, then... I don't think it's anything to, to be concerned about, but keeping a record of it, which even if you went to see your doctor, they would want to know that, like they would want to, 
to have a, a record of the symptoms and see, um, and then decide what to do about it. So if it is persistent genital arousal disorder, then there are some things that, uh, that can be done. But before we get to that point or make any diagnosis, which, you know, certainly can't do with a limited information or never having seen a patient or somebody. So uh, this is just a guess, a hypothesis, maybe worth looking into, but right now, best advice, keep, uh, keep track of what is actually going on. Here, this question, the average amount of sperm in an average ejaculation is about 100 million. I read that out of the 100 million, it is only about 200 that reach the egg, and we all know only one fertilizes the egg. My question is this, is it the strength of that one sperm, or on the egg, is there only one possible entry point on the egg and the sperm that finds it enters it? And a question maybe no one can answer, why can't two or more sperm enter the egg? Does something happen that makes it impossible for another sperm to enter? I don't know if I can answer this question. Um, I, I don't know. I think the entry point can be at any, any point in the egg, although I cannot be 100% sure about that. But it's the strongest sperm that manages to get through the egg that is fertilized. It's not just dependent on the sperm. It also depends on the quality of the egg and all of that. So, um, but yes, you're right. That It's like, think about it as a race. Only one gets through the finish line. There may be some, you know, scragglers behind, but only one really gets to the finish line. There can only be one winner. Uh, and that's the best way to kind of look at it. So if anybody else has anything they want to add to that, uh, please uh, feel free to to weigh in. So I got a poem from the Passion Poet, which uh, is maybe a bit more philosophical than, uh, than light or sexual. Uh, the calendar keeps changing. The hours slip away fast. What we do now, what we do in the now is now soon in the past. To have a better world tomorrow, we must take the right steps today. Life is a continuing process and our love is the only way. There are things we cannot measure. There's no heights we cannot reach. If we can understand each other, then each other we can teach. You need not speak the same language. Only one thing you should know of. Everyone understands one language, the universal language of love. Pass the torch to your children. Hold it high and shine it bright so they always see as clear as day and all tomorrows have no dark night. Wow. That's a, a deep one, very deep. Uh, Texter writes, in the egg and the sperm is all about the sonic boom. <laughs> I guess you can look at it that way. If you have uh, any questions, 514-800 to text in. You can also email your questions to Lori, that's spelled L-A-U-R-I-E, at drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. For a couple of years, I've been confused about my sexuality. I'm attracted to men and have dated them, but can't go any further than kissing them. When I was younger, I thought I may have been lesbian and looked at girls, but no one piqued my interest. I'm currently single and, ha and have been watching gay male porn. Is it abnormal for a young woman to only be attracted to gay guys? Is there a type of sexuality... I fit into. So it really doesn't say much 
about you that you watch uh, gay male porn. There are many straight women that find that arousing, and there's some research to uh, back that up. In fact, research shows that women can be aroused to all kinds of combinations and permutations of individuals with none of it necessarily having to do with one's orientation. Sexuality is something that is fluid. It can change over time. For more, for some people, it's more fluid than for others. Um, and if you look at research that has uh, looked at the the uh, the spectrum of orientation, n- most of us are not in the completely straight or completely gay category because there are far more gray areas in between. You might be bisexual or not. You might be lesbian or not. Uh, I don't think you need to worry about fitting into some uh, label. But as you get older, you will maybe explore a little more, talk to people. You can go on LGBT uh, forums, talk to other people about how they discovered uh, their orientation and such. But the label, not so much as important as how you feel about yourself. And that's um, more important that you hang on to, to that. Coming up, more of your questions. Uh, One question in particular about difficulty ejaculating. That's coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesday tonight on the program, uh, 514-800 to text in your comments or your questions. If you have experience in any of the things we're talking about or you want to put in your two cents, uh, people do appreciate uh, the feedback, so please do that, 514-800. In response to the woman trying to figure out her sexuality, Texter writes in, this woman should just not think about it too much and let nature take its course. It will eventually all unfold. Yeah, that's coming from somebody who's mature and, you know, not in a confused state, but sometimes when you are confused or not sure, uh, you strive to, you know, to try, why do we label things? We want to label things so that we uh, can better understand them. It just, it, it makes sense of the world, right? So when you're young, you're trying to make more sense of the world around you and it's just, it seems easier. But what I notice with younger people is they may start with one label and move on to another label. Um, so yes, eventually it does, uh, it does unfold. I'm 24 years old and I haven't experienced any ejaculations yet, except when I do wet dreams, when I sleep about once every two weeks or even months, I double checked my prostate with two urologists and they said my body is fine. I tried to relax a little bit, closing the lights and focus on my body, but nothing seems to work at this point and watched every possible type of porn. I did almost everything with men except penetration. I guess that's a, oh no, that's a man. Okay. I did masturbation and give and receive oral sex and had no boyfriend or girlfriend in my life ever. I'd say I am mostly into men. I don't do drugs and drink only a beer once a month. I feel really frustrated because no one seems to know how to help me or understand me. 
So one thing, the question that I have, in, in just in hearing this off the top of my head, is if you have the feeling of an orgasm, and but yet you see nothing coming out, no, uh, no ejaculate. If that's the case, we there is a, a condition. It's not dangerous. It's called retrograde ejaculation, which means that you you're having the sensation of an orgasm, see nothing because it's going back into the urethra and back into the bladder. So I would ask you if uh, when you urinate, is it cloudy or, or what have you? But then, you know, you're talking about having wet dreams. So I, it's really unclear. Maybe though, is the psychological part. So let's look at this for a minute. You're in your sleep. You're able to have erotic dreams and, uh, ejaculate in your sleep when your body and your mind are completely at rest, right? So in awake time, maybe you're overthinking it so much that it's causing you to feel really anxious about ejaculation. So if that's the case, then you're not feeling relaxed. You're worried about the orgasms, which we know can block uh, an, an ejaculation from happening. If all the medical tests are negative, then I would think that the reason is psychological. So if that's the case, I would recommend that you speak to a professional who can help you figure out what's going on, uh, help you uh, deal with the anxiety. Like if it was me, I would be digging deeper into your fears and anxieties with performance and ejaculation and sex and all of that stuff. Uh, and also it sounds like maybe there's some, uh, I don't want to say confusion, but maybe um, you're feeling, there's some feelings there with regards to your orientation as well. So that might be something, a psychological uh, impact on that. So there's a lot of, there's some exploration that needs to happen. This is why uh, it, when we work in the field of sexuality or psychology, we do, the first thing we do with any client or patient is to do a thorough evaluation, a psychological evaluation, not, not testing or anything, but where it's called a psycho, I do psychosexual evaluation. So you want to find out, uh, the history of the problem, um, you want to find out the your this person's sexual history. You want to find out their state of mind as well. So their psychological state of mind, any issues that have come up, any medications that they may be on, um, substances that they may they may have the, their relationships. If they're presently in a relationship, what kind of relationship is it? What what's going on in the relationship? Stressors in their world and in their life, new stressors. Um, you want to talk about trauma. So we do a whole assessment looking at all of those things. And then it's easier for us uh, in terms of professionals to evaluate whether, uh, where this, like, what's the underlying cause of, of this. If we suspect that it's medical, like there's some physiological reason for this, then obviously we refer you back to a medical doctor to, uh, to have yourself, uh, checked out. But at, at 24 years old, it would, 
unlikely be something with your prostate, but could be a retrograde ejaculation or could be something to in, in that respect that might need to be checked out. But you've already gone that route. And a lot of men, when they have these issues, will go see their doctor first and will usually have all these tests. And the doctor, you know, says, I don't know, like there's nothing wrong with you. So Okay, go go check it out uh, with with someone who specializes in 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 the mind and the brain, right? Uh, and that's how people often end up in uh, in our offices. But oftentimes we go the medical route uh, first, thinking that that's where the problem lies. But many sex problems, many many functional uh, um, performance things are very much related to the psyche and what's going on in, in someone's mind. Not always, obviously, but we're trained to figure out uh, which uh, which one. A texter writes that if he ejaculates with a wet dream, he more like more than likely has lots of pre-cum and has little left when having an orgasm. When I was a teen, this happened. Okay, well, that could be a possibility. I mean, I don't know if it's full-on ejaculations in his uh, his sleep. It's hard to tell if it's just a, a bit of lubrication, like the pre-cum, or if it's a full-on uh, ejaculation. So I don't know. I mean, there's a few there's a few things here that are lighting up in my brain. Thinking, okay, I would. There's a few angles that I would want to actually uh, uh, check out. I am a male, 26 years of age, <clears throat> and want to know what are the chances of HIV transmission on having oral sex or vaginal sex or anal sex. Please provide separate chances in three conditions with an HIV infected woman with condom and without a condom. Okay, uh, look, I'm going to answer this really generally. Um, the best way to protect yourself from any kind of HIV infection uh, or all or most, I don't want to say all, that's not true, most other sexually transmitted infections obviously is a barrier method, which is to use a condom. If you or your partner have been tested and you're not having sex with other um, partners uh, and you are both negative, then, uh, you know, you can... You can forego the condoms as long as you practice some form of birth control, but that's if you're sure that you are, there are no other partners on either side. So according to the Center for Disease Control, which maintains all of these uh, statistics, the risks of getting infected with HIV through oral sex is actually quite low, much lower than through vaginal or anal sex. Your risk increases if you have sores in your mouth, if you have bleeding gums, or if you come into contact with uh, menstrual blood, for example. Now, when it comes to uh, vaginal sex, a woman can get it from an HIV-positive partner if she comes in contact with his ejaculation, even uh, the pre-cum, which is the part that he doesn't feel uh, coming out. So the pull-out method, not good in this case at all. Uh, for a man having intercourse with an infected woman, he can get it through his urethral opening or through any small cuts or sores on the penis. Anal sex, especially the partner 
receiving is actually at higher risk for contracting uh, HIV. The, the, the insertive partner is less at risk, but still at risk. So those are, I, I can't give you the, the actual figures. I don't have them in front of me in terms of what percentage uh, of infection, but basically that's, um, those are uh, your risks. I see a lot of information on the web about uh, putting a condom on a circumcised penis. How do you put a condom on an intact penis? So you're asking how to put on a condom on a penis that is not uh, circumcised. So if you're uncircumcised, you might need to take a few extra steps when putting on a condom. So when you're ready, in other words, when you're in your erect state, pull back your foreskin, then you unroll the condom. And don't you always have to pinch the tip of the condom, which is called the reservoir tip. That's if you don't leave room at the top, then the risk of the condom breaking with the force of the ejaculation is much more uh, it's much more prone uh, to happen. So once you do that, then you push the foreskin upward while holding on to the base of the condom. And this will allow at least for the free movement of the foreskin inside uh, the condom. So those are the a couple of extra steps to be uh, to be taken putting on a condom on an uncircumcised penis. If anybody else has any tips, uh, excuse the pun, then uh, you can send them right here at five one four eight hundred. If you have questions about sex, about your relationship, you want to talk something out or something general, you're feeling frustrated with something, uh, and you just want to vent, you can do that on the program here as well. Five one four. 800 to uh, text in. Coming up uh, after uh, our, our news break, we're going to do our stupid sex story of the day, plus answer a question about uh, oral sex. That's uh, after we check in with our CJ 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Here's your stupid sex story of the day headline. Man accuses girlfriend of emasculating him after she ate more than he did at a restaurant. These are just, you know, stupid stories that people uh, put out there. Uh, so, of course, this is on uh, on Reddit. What are you going to do? Uh, so here, her uh, her body boy, uh, bodybuilder boyfriend... Oh, no, here it is. Uh, she's a runner, this girl, uh, who embarrassingly admitted to having a huge appetite. Her bodybuilder boyfriend, however, does not. And after an incident that happened over a year ago that demonstrated their contrasting metabolisms, he still holds a grudge. She says, okay, this is really stupid and I'm pretty sure I'm not the a-hole, but this happened over a year ago and my boyfriend keeps bringing this up as an example of me trying to undermine him. So both my boyfriend and I love food, not too uncommon, obviously. We're also both pretty athletic. I'm a runner, so I'm relatively small, around 100 pounds at 5'4", while he's an Olympic weightlifter and occasional bodybuilder, so he's a lot bigger, probably like 200 pounds at 6 feet. 
The thing is, I have an enormous appetite, way bigger than his. Honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed at how much I can eat, which is often way more than him. So last year, we went to a restaurant that has a 96-ounce steak challenge. Basically, you have to finish a 96-ounce steak plus a bunch of sides in an hour, and you get the meal for free. I honestly had very little doubt I could finish it. Boyfriend and I went to the restaurant with a few friends, and I said I wanted to try the challenge. Boyfriend said he wouldn't pay for it if I couldn't finish it, but like I said, I was pretty sure I would. He had been to the restaurant before, and he ordered a more normal meal. I don't remember exactly uh, what. Um, I made a bet with him that I would not only finish my meal, but would finish it before he did, and he accepted. Well, the meal comes, and I finish in under an hour. Boyfriend can't even finish his meal. I end up finishing for him. Our friends that were with us laughed and congratulated me and teased my boyfriend that his girlfriend of half his size could out-eat him so much, and I told him to pay up. After we separated from our friends, he went off on me, telling me I embarrassed him in front of our friends and emasculated him. (laughs) I honestly don't think I'm an a-hole for this, but he keeps bringing this up as an example of me trying to undermine him in public so obviously a lot of people responded to that and they most of them alluded to the boyfriend as having a very fragile uh ego basically anyway some things that people concern themselves with uh clearly all right i've got a few texts here Uh, fyi uncut the skin is also always back when erect uh you're right except that uh, not everybody has the same amount of foreskin. So for some men, there's more uh, more foreskin and more has to be, uh, it's still loose even with uh, an erection. Obviously not the same as before, but nonetheless. Uh, wow, lots of young people, you should be smiling, the mom they wish they had. Well, thank you. It's nice that young people feel okay to ask uh, questions. Uh, let's see, be, uh, reasonable, be realistic and people will follow the rules. Give 25% occupancy to restaurants. They're doing the worst. Oh, this is after saying that, uh, heard Legault today say we need to be more careful. I actually know people that heard be more careful, but make sure you don't get caught. Just make it less than 10 people wear a mask, keep your distance, wash your hands. Yeah, we can start talking about that and and more of our frustrations, but let's, uh, I mean, if you want to vent, you can. But otherwise, we can stick to relationship and sex uh, questions. If my wife are are more than me, I'd be embarrassed for her. Oh, ate more. If my wife ate more than me, I'd be embarrassed for her, not me. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Okay, if I get it. Okay, I get it. Steak challenge, that's a different story. I could kick my wife's butt on beer challenge anytime. Well, what if she was able to out drink uh, you, I don't know, uh, Billy Bob's in Texas is the place, they've had that challenge for decades, very few can finish, uh, the steak, and yes, they got the steak, uh, for free, all right, good evening, something about smell, one time I went to a strip bar, and the stripper was so beautiful, and smelled so good, I really was turned on with her perfume, It smelled so heavenly. Then one day I picked up my grandmother and she had the same smell. LOL. So you can imagine how I felt after. Yes. And you never smelled that perfume. It never triggered the same response again, right? It's funny. Smells, odors, perfumes 
have a profound can have a real profound lasting effect like i was in fact just talking about this when i was pregnant my first pregnancy my husband used a particular brand of uh, of perfume and for some reason it made me gag and it's a lovely perfume and i loved it before i bought it for him even i loved the smell before and it just uh, and now whenever uh whenever i smell that same perfume i get the same reflex it just reminds me of the time i was pregnant and terribly nauseous and that was a smell that uh, that was there and so to this day 25 years late 26 years later i i cannot tolerate that particular smell i won't even name it because it's a beautiful wonderful perfume so it's not about how bad the perfume is it was just me Um, All right, my friends and I decided to organize a sex party during COVID. I hope not. Uh, We found like-minded people, guys and girls, but I'm concerned about their possible uh, health. I passed a medical exam and tested for HIV because I'm a blood donor. Last relationship I had was with only one partner. Is it right to ask them to provide a certificate from the doctor? Well, if you're if you're going to have anonymous sex, can you call it anonymous sex if you're inviting them all to your house? I don't know. Uh, first of all, it's always best to have as much information as possible. I mean you would want to know the status of uh, your sex partners. But regardless of whether you get their results, you should always, always use condoms anyway to protect yourself as much as possible, knowing that there are uh, certain STIs that you will not know if you catch, which are skin-to-skin ones like HPV, for example. Uh, Some can be spread without uh, symptoms. Uh, HPV and herpes are two that are skin-to-skin contacts. So just know that it's um, it's risky behavior and that your best protection has to be like there's it should be a no-brainer that there should be condom use uh if you're going to do this and please if you're do organizing this post-covid fine but right now understand the risks of covid um as well as sti risks and you may want to ask people that you may want everyone to get uh tested i'm not recommending this happen i think it's against the regulations right now but uh people should know that get you know asking somebody whether they had a covid test and whether they were in confinement or isolation or whether they are exposed to other people is just as important today in today's world as sti uh testing so that's uh, that's something i read this smells can trigger memories as far back as when you were two or three years old oh um i believe that absolutely uh, how do you tell someone even just a friend that their perfume doesn't work for them you can't because <laughs> uh, listen i it's unfortunate i i know somebody and i cannot stand their perfume and when we're in the same room it it, i have a a difficult time with it but it's their favorite scent and they like it and it works for them because 
obviously and and their partner or what have you so who am i to say hey your perfume stinks on you like that's just not gonna happen and it's not kind so it's not something that i would do under any uh circumstances more of your questions coming up 514-800 if you've got them uh, we still have a bit of time together let's do this passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 Trouble Tuesday tonight on the program, 514-800 to text in uh, your questions. My son is turning 14. How do I put the fear into him the way my parents did it to me? They said I could get a girl pregnant kissing her while wearing a bathing suit. Sure, and then when you found out that wasn't true, they lost all credibility. You don't it, Fear mongering, like putting the fear in them doesn't quite work well with teenagers. Uh, You can see that just by, you can put the fear in them about getting diseases and only about 25% will still only use condoms. So you have to more, you have to have conversations. It's not about feeding them lies about what will happen, but have a conversation and say, and talk about how girls get pregnant and talk about what the consequences of unprotected sex are to the son. So have, have a conversation. I remember having the same conversation with an adolescent boy and, um, and saying to him and asking him the question, so what do you think will happen? What would happen if the girl, if you had sex, unprotected sex and the girl got pregnant? So he had to think for a minute and his answer was, and he knew about abortions. He says, well, she'll get an abortion. I said, really? And how do you know she will? That's her body and she might make the choice not to have an abortion. Do you want to be a dad at 14 years old? Like this is what you also have to think about as, as a boy, that it's not it, her body Will, it will be her decision and you will have very little to say about that. But, but yet you'll be on the hook and responsible for, um, for this child. So yeah, get them to think more critically about it rather than just, you know, don't do it because this will happen, right? So have conversations and have ongoing uh, conversations with kids. Uh, going back to the perfume or body odor, but what if it's like a uh, body odor and it's n- not just you that doesn't like the perfume, wouldn't you be doing them a favor by telling them, I don't know, would anybody uh, like, <laughs> how would people respond to this? I would not be comfortable telling somebody that they did not smell right. And, uh, that they like, I get it. Like I'm not, I don't. No, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Even if it's do, if it's somebody really close to me, like my, my partner or my sister or somebody that is close to me, that's very different. But if it's a, a friend, what I might do is buy them a new perfume for their birthday, but I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings like that. Even if it's if I think it would be helpful to them, but who am I to, to tell them, right? So that's what I think I would be, um, thinking about at that point. I'm surprised there is no home STD test available. If they can figure out how to detect a pregnancy by urinating on a stick, why, what, why can't they develop an STD test? You know, I think that's, uh, that's coming around the bend. Um, I do think that that's something that 
probably will uh, will happen uh, in in our lifetime. Uh, with the COVID crap, I don't even want him kissing another girl. So that's a whole other story today. That's right, and you're going to have to have that conversation as well. Uh, texter says, I can personally attest to the fact that scents can leave memorable impressions as far back as childhood as I can still distinctly recall the scent of the lipstick my mother wore when I was three years of age, which I used to sniff regularly. And to this day, I get a pleasurable high from anything whatsoever that smells remotely familiar. And you're so right. Like smells are something that trigger in us a lot of nostalgia, right? And uh, you might might catch a whiff of a, a, a smell, somebody's detergent, somebody's laundry, whatever, that brings you back to your first love, for example. And it will trigger memories. It will trigger a, a general feeling, not necessarily visuals or memories um, in that sense, but like it's more visceral. It's 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 a feeling that it uh, it generates or uh, triggers on us. Texter wants to know when is Linda Hammerschmidt on again? She is on the last Thursday of every month, so you'll uh, you can tune in there if you have uh, any questions. Would it bother you if somebody told you they didn't like your perfume? Uh, I know it would not bother me if somebody told me they didn't like my perfume. I like my perfume. My husband likes my perfume. Um, other people like my perfume. So if, if some other person says, I really don't like your perfume, I would say, I really don't care what you like or don't like. I like it. Uh, and I've been wearing this scent for, I don't know, 15 years or, or what have you. So too bad for you. (laughs) Don't come near me stay six feet away anyway so you won't have to smell my perfume Uh, i'm not a big fan of very strong smells either in terms of perfume i was always taught you shouldn't even if you smell your perfume on yourself then it's maybe you've put on too much so uh there's uh there's that as well (laughs) again with it it just gets worse as times goes by because now they know they've been wearing the same stinky perfume for years yeah but again you know unless it's somebody really close to you if i hated my mom's perfume i might tell her mom how about trying a new scent if my kids said that to me i would listen uh, i would i would take that to heart but if somebody else a friend or or what have you in my inner circle who are the closest to me say nothing uh no i don't think uh, i i don't think at all Somebody else says the same way a song will bring on memory as scent. That's true too. It also brings on not just memory, but a sensation, a feeling. And nostalgia is a feeling, uh, right? All right, last question of the night. How do I know, and this is a big one, uh, maybe we could do a whole show on this. How do I know if I'm in love? I say I am, but I don't know it. I almost never know what I'm feeling though. How do I know when it's better for us both of us to break up well being in love and breaking up maybe two two different things but there has been research done in this area to see what happens to our brains when we are in love like there are chemicals in our brain there's something basically chemicals the, the in lust or in love uh, chemicals but some of the signs you can look for in terms of, of 
falling in love or being in love uh, is that you we usually we tend to become highly focused on the object of our affection at the very at the beginning and we tend to focus on the positive qualities of our mate and we kind of ignore the negative traits those come up later Uh, it can feel like an addiction even with your emotions all over the map even feeling like you are like high on drugs that's how it can feel Uh, and it can include some physical symptoms too like sleeplessness or increased energy or racing hard butterflies in your stomach which all describe anxiety to tell you the truth Uh, and of course increases negative anxiety when things don't go too well Uh, you can't stop thinking about them like these are all signs that we are in that in love state but after a certain amount of time those feelings dissipate and they go from the being in love phase to actually loving your partner now this is a deeper love which may not include the butterflies in your stomach those disappear they dissipate but a lot of people think that they are somehow no longer in love with their partner because they have none of these symptoms um, left and so they think okay it's time to move on but that's a mistake because once the initial phase is over which can last, by the way, anywhere, and this is from from research and chemistry and all that, six months to 18 months or so, then you begin to see your partner's negative traits, and only then do you better assess the quality of your um, relationship. So the other part of your question, like knowing when it's better to break up, that's not so easy uh, for anybody to answer for Uh, someone else right there's so many factors to look at to see if you're in a healthy relationship like do you treat each other with respect and kindness do you share common values do you respect each other's individuality Uh, do you resolve conflicts well are you also uh, good friends do you still feel attraction to each other I mean these are just some questions to ask yourself but I'm going to make a note of this to maybe do an entire show on love being in love the phases of love how do i know i'm in love so many things right Uh, just last text here when perfume is compatible with your own body chemistry then you should not smell it on yourself after just a few minutes very good point other people can still smell it but you should not Mm. in my 20s i snoozed somebody who wore oscar de la renta i used to love it uh, and loved it i saved up my money bought myself a bottle somebody shortly thereafter told me it smells like vinegar on me ah not all scents work with everybody's body chemistry so there you go that's uh something important you may love the scent on somebody else doesn't work on you so uh yes managed to talk about perfume today thank you so much for spending your time with me thank you for sending in all of your questions much appreciated remember you can send them to me anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com that's via email uh, thank you to dave simon our technical producer tonight you can listen to any of the past podcasts of this show uh, you can find them on the iheart app on the cjd page you can go to my website drlaurie.com and uh just click on the passion uh passion radio tab and then all the past shows will show up there as well coming up next year on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a great rest of the evening stay safe and remember to live your life with passion